Hello again, ladies and gentlemen. Ghost Nobody here, ready to bring you chapter 13 of my fan fiction, Hunter Hunted, the very first fan fiction I ever wrote, and my first little steps into the AVP universe that took me down the deep, dark rabbit hole all those years ago. Do hope you've been enjoying this stroll with me and reliving this if you've uh, read it before, and if you're new, I do hope you're enjoying the story as it progresses, and I do hope that uh, you'll leave me feedback in any way you can. Let me know what you're enjoying about it, who you like, who you don't like, that sort of thing. Well, without any further ado, this is Ghost Nobody saying, welcome to Hunter Hunted. Oh, and the usual legal disclaimer, don't own AVP, all to do with their respective studios, don't own Sexy Aliens, don't own Sexy Yujuta, wish I did, time to go and cry. Let's get on with it. Chapter 13, Bug Hunt. Waking up slowly, Jack quickly became aware of heavy pressure on his chest and finding himself struggling hard to breathe a bit as well. As well, he also found that none of his limbs seemed to want to move either. As panic started to build in him, he realised that it felt like his limbs were being pinned down by something heavy. Through the fog of his sleep-addled mind, a realisation hit him and he snapped his eyes open. There, laid squarely on top of him, was Tick. She was sleeping soundly with her head on his shoulder now. Obviously at some point in the night they'd swap positions. If he'd been able to draw a full breath of air, he'd have laughed. Slowly, wiggling both his arms, he managed to free them from under the sleeping huntress, and once he'd got the feeling back in them, he placed them on her back. Gently he stroked the strong muscles of the woman he loved, and she reacted by purring softly in her sleep. He loved the feel of her rough skin under his fingers so much. He couldn't resist running his hands down her back and feeling her feminine shapely rear. Her glorious buttocks actually felt like they were carved from solid steel. It was literally like the saying buns of steel was literally made for her. As he stroked her perfect bum, Tick's purr intensified and he actually felt her shift her hips to press her rear into his hands. A funny thought occurred to him. Only seconds ago his mind about to go into full panic mode. But now he was calm, despite the fact he was no less pinned. But he simply didn't care as long as she was comfortable. And given the fact that he'd slept on her multiple times, it was kind of nice to serve as the pillow for once. Tick Alth woke up, wondering why her pillow seemed to have a heartbeat. She looked up with a confused look on her face to find Axe smiling back at her. Morning, beautiful. Sleep well? he asked. She nodded slowly, reaching up to clear the sleep from her eyes before they focused on him properly. I sleep like a cub, she said, still sounding sleepy. It was at that point she realised that the pillow with a heartbeat was in Jack, indeed Axe's chest, and somehow she was on top of him. Jack couldn't help finding sleepy, confused Tick the most adorable thing ever. Granted, there weren't many exactly who would rather find Yejuta as adorable. In fact, they'd probably get shown their own entrails for saying it out loud. But to Jack, who was now watching the massive blooded huntress trying to figure out how she seemed to be on top of him, with a look of complete confusion plastered on her beautiful face, she was utterly adorable. He reached up with one of his now freed hands and placed it on the side of her face, only for her to close her eyes and lean into it. Then she brought up one of her large hands and held it in place, giving her a closer view of her hand. And as he saw it, he realised that despite the large size of her hands, that her fingers themselves were actually quite slim and dexterous. 
Granted, his fingers were much bigger than his own. Well, all except for a pinky finger, which was roughly about the same width as a human middle finger. A sudden idea hit him, and he brought his other hand off her rear and under her body to her, to his own chest. He took hold of the necklace he, she wore and pulled it free, snapping the cord. Jack held up the golden ring that he'd been wearing around his neck since he'd lost Sandy. It looked like it would fit perfectly on Tick's little finger. At this point she was completely clueless as to what he was doing and she still had her eyes closed leaning into his touch on the side of her face, purring slightly. A sudden ripple off to his left suddenly drew his attention and though he looked through the ring and he turned to look in the shadows could have sworn that he saw Sandy standing there smiling, giving him a thumbs up. He shook his head and looked again, but now she was gone. But it warmed his heart to know that she was still watching over him. One of the promises that they'd made to each other is that no matter where they were, they would always have each other's backs, and it looked like death hadn't stopped her from keeping her word. Typical Sandy. Not even God could tell her what to do. Jack released his hand on Tick's face and took hold of her big hand. Then bringing her up to his own face, he slipped the ring onto her little finger. And to his absolute surprise and sheer joy, it was an absolute perfect fit, as if it had been made for her. Tick Elf opened her eyes to look at what Ack had done to her hand. She felt him place something on her little finger. As her eyes focused, she saw the most beautiful ring made of gold with sapphires, rubies and diamonds had been placed on her finger. The stones on the top of it were arranged into a strange, oddly pleasant pattern of red, white and blue. She looked at that questioningly. It's a symbol of love eternal between two humans. We give the one we love, pledged ourselves to, a ring to show that our love will last forever. It's given between a husband and wife, or as your kind would say, life mates. It shows that wherever we are, we carry our love with us, he said. And she looked back at the shining ring now on her little finger, and her heart nearly burst with joy as she saw the little ring glinting in dim light. She couldn't help adore these woman rituals. They were so amazingly intimate and loving. She reached up and pulled Ack into a tight hug, pulling his face to hers. Thank you, Ack. It is beautiful, she said softly. As are you, my love, he replied, nuzzling her. Suddenly an idea struck her, and she quickly detached herself and sat up on her knees, straddling on his hips, but keeping the majority of her weight on her knees as to not hurt him. Jack couldn't help but admire the naked body of his beautiful huntress, as she was straddling him now. She seemed to be looking at her dreadlocks for some reason. She was quickly flicking through them one at a time while he watched her. Then she found the one she was wanted, and removed a silver and gold twisted ring from it. Then she took his left hand from her thigh, where both of them had been gently stroking her. She held up the ring against his hand before sliding it onto his ring finger. It was a perfect fit, and inadvertently she managed to place it on exactly the right finger as well. Then she looked at him, with a massive smile on her mandibles. A symbol of my love for you, my life mate. Now you take me... And my love with you wherever you are, as I carry you and your love with me.
she said, holding up her ringed finger next to his. Then gently she took his hand in hers and took it up to her chest, placing it against the skin so he could feel her beating heart. He looked at her, smiling. This beats for you now, Ak, and it always will. I place my life in your hands, and you have placed yours in mine, she said. Then she leaned down, opening her mandibles as she did, and kissed her beloved male. After their kiss broke, Jack became aware of a slightly delightfully spicy smell that signalled that Tick was becoming quite aroused. He smiled as he realised that it wasn't just the heat of battle that got her going, but somewhere deep down in that tough battle-hardened shell beat the heart of a true romantic. Seeing the position they were in gave him a devilish idea. Tick, will you do something for me? he asked. She tilted her head curiously. Of course, my love, name it, she said. Turn around so that you are still in that position but facing the other way, he said. She looked confused at this request, but did as her love asked. She stood up, turned around, before kneeling back down. Now she was faced towards his feet with her back to him. Like this? she asked softly. That's right, now shuffle backwards till I tell you to stop, he said. This obviously confused Tick even more, but again she did as her male asked. She began to shuffle backwards, still being careful to keep her weight mostly on her knees, as she moved over his chest. From this point of view, it was rather spectacular, as Tick leaned forwards, placing her hands on his body to counter some of her weight, while keeping her balance. He got a rather nice view of her spectacular rear end, getting closer and closer to his face. Then, just as she moved again, her legs hooked under his arms, and he found himself looking straight up into a beautiful feminine flower, which was glistening, signalling her arousal. That's perfect. Stop right there, he said. Tick Health was confused by her love's request, but she'd done it for him anyway. Now she found herself kneeling over his face, looking down towards his feet. Suddenly she realised exactly what Ak was up to, as she felt his hands trail up her inner thighs and stop when they reached her womanhood. She felt herself being opened up, and felt her male's hot, wonderful breath on her most intimate area, and suddenly she knew exactly what was coming next. A delightful shiver passed down her spine in anticipation of what he was about to do to her. Then she felt the wonderful sensation of her male's tongue tasting her burning flesh, and swirling around between her lower lips. She growled softly as she felt him move his mouth to gently suck on the top of her womanhood, taking that hard little thing between his warrior's teeth and gently rolling it. This sent bursts of pleasure through her, causing white-hot flashes in her vision. Then she felt his tongue worm its way upwards and inside her, tasting it all around her inner walls, till it found that little spot towards her belly, and she instantly felt her knees begin to tremble. This caused her to have to lean forwards and place more of her weight onto her hands. That's when her eyes locked onto Axe's malehood, standing proudly up towards her from under the covers. She growled hungrily as she saw it, and then she had a devilish idea of her own. Jack was busy swirling his tongue over Tick's G-spot, so he didn't immediately notice that his beautiful huntress was up to something. He put her shifting her weight around and adjusting her angle to much lower, trying to get herself comfortable. 
He was busily gorging himself on the sublime taste of this woman and listening to her growls and wails of pleasure to even notice what she was doing. Well, right up until his manner was suddenly seized and plunged into a world of liquid heat. He broke his deep tongue kiss only for a few seconds as a loud moan escaped him. Glancing downwards, he saw Tick with her mandibles caressing the sides of his manhood and her long tongue coiled around him. He smiled broadly as she glanced under herself and caught his eyes with a very seductive look in hers. Then he instantly returned his tongue into her and the battle commenced, each battling to give their lover as much pleasure as they could. Each of their bodies stopped responding to commands and began to work of a will of their own, a deep primal will that neither of them had any control over, as they both worked feverishly on their lover's most sensitive organs with their mouths. Jack adored the feeling of Tick's tongue coiling and squirming all over his manhood, milking him from hilt to tip, not to mention the suction of the tip of her throat created as she pushed the tip in and out slowly. On Tick Ellis' side, she was lost in the sensation of Axe's tongue caressing every fold of her inner walls, using that strong muscle to massage her most intimate areas, as well as him sucking and rubbing his dexterous fingers all over her lower lips, as well as that little pleasure button. Pretty soon the battle turned up the pace and resulted in a perfect draw, as both of them reached a mutual and highly intense climax. Both of their essences flooded into the younger other's hungry waiting mouth at exactly the same second, drawing gurgling growls and roars from them both as they struggled to experience and vent their own pleasure while revelling in that of their lover. Afterwards, Tick Ellis turned herself back around and laid herself back down on top of Ack. He straightway kissed, and she knew that she could taste her own essence in his mouth. He would taste his in hers and their tongues wrestled. But rather than revolting her, it invigorated her. She adored pleasuring her male, and he seemed to adore pleasuring her. When they finally broke their kiss, she placed her head down on his shoulder and stroked his cheek. Ack is very sneaky, she said, and you heard him laugh. Sorry, I figured that you wouldn't be expecting that, and I couldn't resist, he said between chuckles. She purred as she felt his hand stroking her skin, and she looked up into his bright sapphire eyes. I was not, but now I know Axe's tactics. I will be prepared for sneaky pleasure attacks in future, she said, smiling. This set him off laughing again, which pleased her. She loved to see him happy. Guess I'll have to up my game then to catch you off guard again, won't I? He said devilishly. She purred at him as his hand came up and stroked her cheek. As will I. I'd be prepared for my counter-attacks, my love, she said softly. I look forward to it, he said, still smiling. And with that, they both laid there for a while in silence, just enjoying each other's company. Once they'd managed to drag themselves away from each other, they'd gone and done their separate ablutions. Now Tickalath was preparing shimmer lizards for their breakfast, while Jack was inspecting his wounds, which Tick had treated with her med kit. That stuff you put in these things when you stitch me up works wonders. These bad boys are pretty much fully healed up. Even the burns on my hands are almost totally gone, he said, marvelling at the healing properties that he used due to medical equipment. Tickalf looked up from the pot she was currently working over. Her eyes roamed over the body of her male, 
and he, she saw what he was talking about. Yajuta medicine is very powerful. They're designed to keep hunters in the fight as long as possible, but wasn't sure it would work on an old man, she said, admiring his body. Jack continued to check himself over, now aware of Tick staring at him. Without turning to face her, he simply smiled to himself. Felt nice to be admired by someone you love. See anything you like, he asked without turning to look at her. For someone her size, she moved like a ninja's shadow, because he never heard her leave the pot, and didn't even know she was right behind him till her massive hands appeared suddenly on his chest. I see the male that I love, she said in a matter-of-fact voice, pressing her face into the back of his neck. Jack grinned at his own words getting used back on him. Then he turned in her embrace and held her against him. As he loves you, he replied softly into her chest. As they ate their breakfast of shimmer lizard stew, Jack decided to address the problem that was troubling him. Think we're going to have to exterminate our bug problem, he said with a mouthful of stew. Tick looked at him curiously while she chewed her own mouthful. Bug problem? she asked after swallowing. Jack nodded. Like here, Amande. We need to deal with those fuckers or they're going to continue to cause us problems. We can't afford to be fighting them when the bad bloods show up, as they'll need our total focus, he said, gesturing with the fork he was holding. Tagala thought about this for a moment before she nodded. Agreed. They need to be killed before we can plan for the blood butler evil, she said. Then we need to head back to that cave and wipe them out. But first I think we need to take a few things. Jack said, and Tick looked at him curiously. I need you to show me where you found the other dead humans. Jack continued, and this really confused Tick, but she nodded her agreement. Together they finished the remainder of their meal in silence, both lost in their thoughts. The bodies of the other humans that had been dropped into this nightmare-filled hellhole had not weathered the jungle climate well. This was the fourth one they'd looked at, and Tick kept watch while Jack searched the body. He really didn't like having to do this, but getting a resupply of ammo and equipment here was impossible, so all he could do was scavenge what he needed from the fallen. So far he'd kind of lucked out on his finds. The first body ticket showed him was that of a young man in his early twenties. He'd been pierced by the branch of a tree through straight through his stomach and was effectively nailed to the tree. Now to add to this, both of his legs were now missing, thanks to some sort of predator which had only managed to get up that high. But the man had obviously been a sniper due to his Barrett M82A3, which was up there in the tree attached to him. Jack had thought of taking the massive weapon. When he climbed up into the tree, he'd realised the impact with the tree had damaged the barrel of the weapon. And a weapon you can't trust is not a weapon, but a hindrance. So Jack took all the clips of the, for the ammo for the weapon as it was compatible with his AS-50. He also noticed the man didn't have a sidearm, but he'd figure it had gone whenever his legs got taken, probably dragged off, still in its holster. He also managed to get some rations from him as well, and took some more medical supplies. The last thing he took was the man's dog tags, that showed he was a first recon marine sniper from the USMC. Jack had worked side by side with these guys more than once, had a lot of respect for their capabilities. He closed his, the man's eyes with his hand. 
Sleep tight, soldier. Your fight is done, he said, looking up into the alien sky. Just one more soldier reporting in, sir. This time in hell is done, he said, quoting a line from the soldier's prayer he'd learned when he was in. He just hoped that someone was listening. Over the next few, Jack had managed to get himself a new shirt, more medical supplies, small handy backpack, an M203 with a few 40mm grenades and 200 rounds of ammo for it. He'd also found a variety of other useful toys, but for also he got four more sets of dog tags from various militaries around his home world. He just hoped that one day he'd get a chance to send them home, so their families may have some measure of closure, however small. But finally, he felt ready, and he and Tick headed for the cave of the Kiramande, deep in the jungle. They rarely spoke as they moved through the forest, although both of them were itching to converse with the other, even to share a kiss or two. But both of them were avid professionals, and now was not the time for them to let their guards down. It's time to keep your head on the swivel, looking for the enemy, especially as these fuckers had a really nasty habit of coming out of nowhere and in force. Word about the two hunters must have spread among all the animals of the forest as fuck all showed itself during the entire trip. They reached the cave with no issues. Jack scanned the entrance of the cave through the scope of his AS-50, or Tick climbed up a tree and was sweeping the area with those sensors of hers. Finally, Jack signalled to her that he had nothing. She climbed down the tree and approached him. I also see no movement, she said softly. I don't like it. It's too quiet. There's no way we got all of those fuckers. If they were willing to spare some of them on a scouting party, he said. Tick looked at Jack in admiration. He was a true hunter, as he respected his prey's abilities, and even admired them. These were the traits of a true hunter. What do you think they're guarding in there? You know more about them than me, he asked, looking at Tick. It's most likely a nest, which means there's a good chance of a queen. Tick said. Oh, great. Queen usually means big, pissed off and heavily protected, Jack replied. Tick nodded her head. Queens are among the most dangerous of opponents, she said. Wish I'd brought that fucking minigun now, Jack said, referring to the large M104 they'd found on one of the bodies of the dead humans. Tick Ellis looked at Ack for a moment, before planning to start the form in her mind. It was risky, Against the odds of multiple Kiramandi, the possibility of a queen, they needed every advantage they could get. They needed something that played to both their strengths. Now she knew Jack could fight up close if needed. She'd seen him do it. But his major strength was he could hit targets with that long barrel projectile weapon of his at serious distance. Her strength was in up-close combat. She took a deep breath and turned to face him. Ack, I have a plan. And I don't think you'll like it, she said softly. I can't believe they fucking let her talk me into this, Jack grumbled to himself. He was currently laid on an Oroki outcrop overlooking the cave, 400 metres away, watching the woman he loved making her way to the cave entrance on her own. He'd spent 20 minutes arguing over this. He did not want to let her go in there alone, especially after last time. But eventually she'd won him over with sheer logic. Her plan was simple. She was going to go in quietly and stealthily. She would get as deep into the nest as she could and cause an absolute shitstorm in there. This would rile up the bugs and make them chase her out of the cave. Once outside, 
This is where Jack's expertise would kick in. Using his rifle, he would pick off the bugs as they scurried around out in the open, or and either soften up or kill the queen when she emerged. But he still didn't like having to watch her, the woman he loved go into a cave of fucking death on her own without his backup. Inside the cave was pitch black. If it hadn't been for her advanced optics, Tickelth would have been completely blind. As she passed the mountains of bodies near the entrance, it hit her just with a gargantuan fight Jack had committed on her behalf. He was almost beginning to regret her decision to leave him outside. In fact, part of her wanted to run out and in into his arms, not through fear, but just one of one last hug with him before they faced their deaths. But she was able to push through those feelings into a box in her mind. They were going to be victorious this day. Alone they were strong. Together they were unstoppable. Not just because they were both blooded warriors, but because they would both fight to their last breath for the other. She progressed deeper into the dank-smelling cave. She began to see the telltale signs of the Kiramande infestation. The walls had been coated in that black organic resin they used to line their nests. She had to resist her urge to touch the stuff, she knew it was sticky, nasty stuff. Instead, she stroked one of the cylindrical objects that Jack had bring, made her bring with her. There were four of them clipped to the belt of her battle skirt, and she remembered his instructions. Pull out the metal pin and throw at the fuckers before running the fuck away, he'd said. They were obviously some sort of grenade. There was one of his conditions he'd made on letting her go in there on his own. She remembered getting angry at him over this, but now she regretted it, as she knew he didn't doubt her abilities. He just didn't want to go have her go in there without backup. What did he said to her now? I'd rather die by your side knowing that I give my life fighting side by side with the woman I love. Live for one another, die together, were his words. This had touched her heart, but she knew that this was the right course of action. Telltale quiet hisses and scratches told her that the Kiramande were aware of her presence. She needed to hurry up or they'd intercept her before she reached her goal of the egg chamber. So Tickaleth abandoned stealth and broke into a full-on run straight down the long, wide, circular cavern. It wasn't long before the Kiramande figured out what was happening and began to chase her, down into the depths of their lair. There seemed to be far more of them than she'd anticipated. It seemed that there must have been a queen here, they must have been really busy. Now she found various drones crawling out of all the cracks in the walls ahead of her. The plasma caster on her shoulder fired as she ran, blowing them off the walls and making the remainder of them take cover. She couldn't allow them to slow her down. She needed to reach the egg chamber. But just as she was thinking this, she ran full tilt into a rather large pitch black chamber and immediately tripped over an egg sack, booting it full force into the air. Tigala turned in the hall into a roll to avoid the facehugger that jumped from the egg that she'd just kicked full force as she tripped on it. She was able to use her sword, which she had ready in her hand, to slice it in half as she fell. The egg sack flew across the chamber and bounced off the back of something big and black. As Tigala stood up, she saw a rather large pissed-off queen turning to slowly face her. Around the chambers there were hundreds of egg sacs, all secured to the floor with slimy resin that she'd secreted. The queen had secured her oversized egg-producing abdomen to the ceiling of the chamber with a large sticky strands of resin. As soon as it spotted what had booted one of her precious eggs at her head, 
the queen let out an almighty shriek. Suddenly the chamber was filled with a cascade of shrieks and hisses as the drones responded to their queen's call. Tikaleth looked all around herself. There was no way to stand and fight in here. It would be suicide. So it was time to follow Axe's advice. She used a plasma caster to fire short bursts into the closest drones that came her way. She tore all the grenades off her belt, pulled the pins on all of them. Small levers flicked off all of them, and she pitched them right at the Queen's abdomen and main body before a couple more rounds on the plasma caster. She turned on her heels and full-on sprinted back through the exit of the chamber, back the way she'd come. As she ran back up the shaft, she was forced to duck and weave and dance past the Kiramande drones that dropped down for her from all directions. Behind her there was a series of massive explosions and a whoosh of fire that followed her up the circular cave. It lit up the cave around her briefly as she ran, and she saw more of them on the walls. It also had the bonus of effect of setting some of the accursed creatures on fire. But for some reason, they all seemed frozen in place as if confused by what had just happened behind them. Tegeleth had guessed that at least one of those grenades that Jack had given her had been a pyro, because the chamber now she was running around now seemed to be on fire, and there was a hell of a lot of shrieking coming from it. Suddenly the drones stopped chasing her and headed into the chamber to help their queen. But sudden heavy footfall signalled that the queen had survived the blast and was now in pursuit. And Tikaleth guessed she wouldn't be very happy that all of her freshly egg laid eggs were currently on fire. So putting everything she had into what turned into a full-on sprint, she headed for the exit. Up on his rocky outcrop, Jack was just starting to get antsy felt like Tick had been in that cave for what felt like ever. He knew that he had to trust the full-blooded Huntress. She'd done this far more times than he, and she had far more combat experience than him. He had fought this creature many times, but the male in him didn't like letting his female go into the cave filled with those nightmares all alone, even if his female could quite easily be described as a nightmare herself. Suddenly there was a deep rumble, that seemed to come from underground, and Jack recognised the effect of super RDX grenades he'd given Tick. To be fair, these things have been an amazing find due to their sh- sheer power in such a small package. Plus the pyro grenade, she'd used to lit those fuckers up quite nicely. Just a smoke cloud began to pour out of the cave, filming a shape raced out ahead of the smoke, at full tilt taking a small trail of it with her. Jack's heart leapt for joy as he saw Tick, but then froze in horror as he realised what would be following her, and he instantly lined up his rifle. It was time just to see the whole world of nightmares, given form, start to emerge right out of it, right behind her on her heels. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was chapter 13. I do hope you've been enjoying this little trek through the AVP universe. As always, if you can like, subscribe, send me any feedback you can via my uh, fanfiction or archive of our own pages, be well appreciated but uh what's gonna happen how will this battle go it's jack and tick versus a queen and god knows how many drones have to tune in next time to find out so until next time this is ghost nobody signing off and saying i'll see you next time